A fool's lips walk into a fight, and his mouth invites a beating. A fool's mouth is his ruin, and his lips are a snare to his soul. The words of a whisperer are like delicious morsels. They go down into inner parts of the body. Whoever is slack in his work is a brother to him who destroys. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous man runs into it and is safe. A rich man's wealth is his strong city and like a high wall in his imagination. Before destruction, a man's heart is haughty, but humility comes before honor. If one gives an answer before he hears, it is his folly and shame. A man's spirit will endure sickness, but a crushed spirit, who can bear? An intelligent heart acquires knowledge, and the ear of the wise seeks knowledge. A man's gift makes, his, makes room for him and brings him before the great. The one who states his case first seems right until the other comes and examines him. The lot puts an end to quarrels and decides bet between powerful contenders. A brother offended is more unyielding than a strong city, and a quarreling is like the, the bars of a castle. From the fruit of a man's mouth, his stomach is satisfied. He is satisfied by the yield of his lips. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. Well, look, the question I'd like to begin with this evening is this. How much do you think your words matter? How much do you think your words matter? Well, we've all heard that sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me. And I guess we can get on board with that, can't we? We live in the age of banter, the age of memes, the age of Jimmy Kimmel's mean tweets, where celebrities read out on camera a whole host of abusive tweets that they've received throughout the week. Perhaps we've just become desensitized to the effect of words. But we also live in a political culture where it's okay to tell lies, don't we? And I guess this may have added to the idea that words are cheap. Perhaps words are not just are not worth bothering with. It's what we do that really matters. And so perhaps as a society, we tend to think of our words as being secondary to our actions. Something like actions speak louder than words. And perhaps even at church, some may think that our beliefs are the most important, then our actions, then our words, in that order. Perhaps some may think that there's all sorts of things that can cause real damage. Sticks and stones can break your bones. A gun to the head will kill you. Playing with matches can burn the house down. But words, your words aren't like that, are they? You should never play with matches, but you can mess around with your words. How much do you think your words matter? Well, Proverbs chapter 21, Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21 says this, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. It's a pretty strong statement, isn't it? Death and life are in the power of the tongue. It's pretty strong. And it falls right at the heart of a section in Proverbs which is all about foolishness. 
Last week in chapter 14, we saw the choice between acting wisely and acting foolishly. And we saw an example of how foolish words can create a rod for one's own back. But our passage today, Proverbs chapter 18, is all about words. It's all about lips and mouths and tongues and speech. All about our words and how powerful they are. And so as we've been seeing each week, Proverbs is giving kings wisdom to rule. And the wisdom that kings need to rule is also the wisdom that we as everyday people need to act in God's good world. So this is a message for us. This is a message for anybody who wants to make their words useful for the Lord Jesus. And so look, as we, as we look at Proverbs 18, the effects that words can have on us this evening, I imagine that this is going to cut fairly close to the bone. And it certainly has for me, as I've prepared this talk for um, over the last couple of weeks. And so we better make sure that this really is what the Lord God is saying and look at the passage a little bit more carefully. So just to give you a little bit of a roadmap of uh, where, we've go- where we're going, uh, we've got two sets of Proverbs there, verses 6 to 9, and then verses um, 10, to tw- 10 to 20. And you've got a rough diagram there on your handout, similar to, if you were there at Summerlink, similar to the um, diagram that um, Leo was working on as well with you guys. There's headings as well and, and where we're going to be going. And we're going to be looking at these verses in three points. So let me ask you again, how much do you think your words matter? Well, point one, foolish words lead to death, even though they're tasty. Let's read from verse six, and we're on six, page 651, verse six. A fool's lips walk into a fight and his mouth invites a beating. A fool's mouth is his ruin, and his lips are a snare to his soul. Now, here is one of the clearest pictures of how foolish words lead to ruin. A guy walks into a bar, shouting his mouth off. What was a very pleasant evening suddenly takes a turn for the worse. He says something stupid, and immediately there's tension in the room. And he still can't keep quiet. And now people are laying into him. And before you know it, there's a huge brawl going on. Now, that's the picture of verse 6, the consequence of foolish words. They walk into a fight and invite a beating. But it's actually much worse than that as we read on. Verse 7, a fool's mouth is his ruin, and his lips are a snare to his soul. Foolish words not only lead to a beating... Foolish words lead to death. And the way it ramps up between verses 6 and 7 is devastating, isn't it? It's like you fully expect the example given in verse 6. The cocky loudmouth gets a beating. But then the surprise and the punchline there is in verse 7. A fool's mouth is his ruin, and his lips are a snare to his soul. It's like that moment speaks to you on the grandest scale. It talks about death. Now, the average person in this room speaks around 30,000 words in a day and nearly one billion words in a lifetime. I understand that some of us will have a higher average word word count than others. I'm not looking at anyone in particular. (laughs) I shouldn't. Um, but but, 
But the, the important thing is that the foolish words lead to death. And that's massively sobering, isn't it? Just as, we, just as that loudmouth gets a beating in verse 6, in the same way, those who speak godlessness are heading to eternity in ruin, verse 7. And so as we zoom out and we see the full angle, the full wide angle of this situation, we're fully aware of the devastating consequences that foolish words bring, aren't we? As you see the whole situation, you'd think you'd want to avoid the foolish words at all costs. You'd want to work, stay well clear of that man asking for it in the pub because you know a beating's on the way. You'd want to stay well clear of all the foolish words because they, they snare the very souls that speak them, who speak them. But the thing is, there's something about these words that we just find irresistible. Look with me at verse 8. The words of a whisperer, which means a gossip in other translations, are like delicious morsels. They go down into the inner parts of the body. You see, these foolish words are delicious. They're appealing. They're tasty. And they're so satisfying. They go into the inner parts of the body. Now, this proverb is saying that we're drawn to these foolish words, that we have this inherent love and thirst for them. Now, earlier on this summer, we were on the City Summer School. Some of you were there with us, actually. And for those of you that, that don't know what City Summer School is and uh, don't know where Ashburnham Place is, it's Ashburnham Place is this beautiful country house right in the heart of East Sussex. And lots of us will know where that is, actually, because we have our church weekends away there. It's absolutely lush. It's, pr it's pretty dreamy. And this summer, um, there was an absolutely bumper crop of luscious juicy cherries, and, and, and we, that, they, they just collected them from the cherry tree. And they were all laid out in reception for us, and we could all just take as many as we wanted for free. They were so juicy, they were so tasty, they were so sweet. A bit like these ones, actually. Yeah, I don't know whether you can see them. Well, actually, they're not like these ones, because these were bought 10 minutes before the service as a yellow sticker purchase. So they were much nicer, they were much nicer than these ones. But what if I were to tell you that these cherries were potentially poisonous? That's right. If you chew on these cherry stones, they release a chemical called amygdalin, which our body converts into cyanide. So these cherries are delicious, juicy, and attractive on the outside, but they're potentially lethal on the inside. Now, it's important to say that most of us don't chew on these cherry stones, and you need about two or three of these for it to have a lethal, a lethal effect. But do you see the link there in verse 8? The words of a whisperer are like delicious morsels. They go down into the inner parts of the body. These cherries, these cherries are like foolish words in verse 8. They're tasty and satisfying, and they go down well, but they're poisonous and they lead to death. Now, I want you to imagine with me that we've got this picture in front of us. It's a close-up of somebody kayaking. And the kayaker's got a, a really, really big smile on his face. He is having the time of his life. He's having such a good time. But then you zoom out 
and you realize that actually he's about 20 meters away from a waterfall. And sadly, we see that this man is actually kayaking to destruction. Now, sad as that may be, that's a bit like what's going on here in these verses, six to eight. Now, verses six to eight are deliberately put two views on the table. Now, one's from a wider angle lens, verses six to seven, and that's showing the kind of bigger picture and the consequences of foolish words. And the other view there in verse eight is the zoomed-in view of that moment when you first hear those, those foolish words. In the moment, these words are yummy. And so there's tension between those two, two views as we, as, as we see them. And that's part of learning wisdom. No matter if things look and sound really nice to us, it doesn't mean that they're actually good for us. And in this case, they're ruinous, they're soul-snaring. Foolish words lead to death, even though they're tasty. So how much do you think your words matter? Well, we've just seen that foolish words lead to death, even though they're tasty, point one. Now we're gonna look at how a word saves us. So for point two, the name of the Lord is a word that brings us safety. Read with me from verse 10. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous man runs into it and is safe. A rich man's wealth is his strong city, and like a high wall in his imagination. These proverbs provide two options for safety from destruction, two places to put your trust in, and only one is truly safe. Verse 10, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous man runs into it and is safe. And what's really striking about this verse is that the name of the Lord is the name of the Lord that brings safety. It's not just the Lord brings safety or the Lord is a strong tower. No, it's, it's the name of the Lord. And obviously, as soon as we talk about the name, we realize that it's something that we say, something that we pray, and something that we call upon. Trust in the name of the Lord, and he will make, he will keep you safe when ruin threatens. Now, the other option seems very safe, doesn't it? But it's just an illusion. Verse 11, a rich man's wealth is his strong city, and like a high wall in his imagination. Now, the rich man's wealth seems impenetrable and impressive, not just a name or a word, but something physical, like a, like a wall so high that nothing can get over it. But at the end of verse 11, we see that this is just his imagination. Wealth cannot save you from death. And that's how foolish speech destroys, isn't it? Because it gets you thinking that other things are more important. It makes you think that your bank balance is your source of security. Now, I was speaking to a friend of mine uh, who works on the trading floor just around the corner from here. And he said that all the chat at work was about money, how to make it, how to make more of it, and how to spend it. It was obvious that for him and his colleagues that money 
is the name of the word that dominates their office. And the name of the Lord isn't mentioned at all. It's nowhere to be heard. I guess it's not just your bank balance, is it? It could be putting your trust in education, getting you where, to, where you need to be. Or social connections being the place to put your hope in. But I guess we've still got to ask that question, haven't we? Words. What, how is it that words can make a difference? Well, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And using your tongue to call upon the name of the Lord is the only thing that matters. The only place of safety. Every other place that offers safety and security is just an illusion. Every place except one. The name of the Lord provides safety in a way that nothing else can. We can call on him, pray to him, sing praises to him. His name is Jesus. He provides safety from the coming day by coming day of judgment by dying for us. His death on the cross is payment for each and every one of our rebellions against God. It means if you know and trust Jesus, if you know and trust in the name of the Lord Jesus, you are covered by his mercy and grace when the day of destruction comes. And it will come, but he will make sure that you're safe. The name of the Lord is a word that brings us safety. But not just to you and I, but to the whole world. You see, about 700 years before the time of Jesus, the prophet Isaiah saw a day when the whole world would acknowledge the Lord God, when the whole world will throw away their idols and turn to the Lord, and, to the, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, he said, and all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. How much do you think your words matter? Well, they matter on a monumental scale, don't they? As you speak the name of the Lord to others, you are involved in none other than God's great all-time plan of salvation to make his name known to all the, all the nations, to the ends of the earth. It's an extraordinary privilege, isn't it? You couldn't be part of a greater project. What's extraordinary about this word is that it gives us the most extraordinary power as well. And it's on our lips. It's in our words. Because as you speak about the name of the Lord, you can actually save lives. Even the guy in verse 11. People can be brought from death to life. Now, if you are a visitor to here, um, a visitor here today, um, let me say how fantastic it is to see you, um, and it's amazing that you're able to join us. Um, if it's the first time you've heard something like this as well, do come and chat to me at the end. But let me say straight up that the truth is that the Lord God would like you to be part of this too. My prayer is that you'll see that there are two options in life clearly presented here. One that leads to safety, and one that leads to ruin. And my prayer is that you'll see how foolish it is to put your trust in anything other than the name of the Lord. And look, one way of doing that is by um, looking at one of these eyewitness accounts of the gospel here. This is John's gospel here. Um, it speaks about the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Um, it would take about an hour or so to read with some real concentration. 
Um, let me say that um, it'll, be, it'll be a great read. And this whole um, book in Proverbs, actually, is pointing towards him. It's a thrilling read. But whether you're new or whether you're an old-timer, all of us here need to know that Jesus brings you safety. Because the Lord Jesus is the hero. He is the champion. You want the only message in your ear to be to know him, call upon him, speak with him, and remember, he's where you can be safe forever. Remember all of the good reasons why it's so good to know him. That's what protects you from putting your trust in other places. It keeps your trust in his name, and that means that you're safe forever. How much do you think your words matter? Well, they matter, firstly, because foolish words lead to death, even though they're tasty. But we've just seen that our words also matter because the name of the Lord is a word that brings you safety. So now you have these two options. How should we respond? Finally, point three, make sure you listen and don't make your words hasty. As you can see from the diagram there on your handouts, verse 15 is the pivotal verse in this little section that runs from verse 10 to verse 20. So let's take a look at what verse 15 says. An intelligent heart acquires knowledge, and the ear of the wise seeks knowledge. From what we've heard so far, we might have expected the pivotal verse to say something along the lines of, be careful what you say, or keep calling on the name of the Lord. But actually, it says make sure you listen. It says you find knowledge with your ear, not your mouth. The way you seek knowledge is through your ear. Now, it would be tempting to think on the Sunday before A-level results week that this proverb is affirming revision before exams. But we all know that proverbs... Um, we all know that throughout Proverbs, we've seen that knowledge is a word closely linked to the Lord. Right at the beginning of Proverbs, chapter 1, verse 7, it reads, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. That verse says, if you don't know him, you know nothing. And so when verse 15 says, an intelligent heart acquires knowledge, and the ear of the wise seeks knowledge. It's saying an intelligent heart acquires knowledge of the Lord. This is what you want your ear to hear. You want to be constantly knowing who he is. This should be our response instead of listening to all of these empty, foolish words that might seem tasty, but in fact, they lead to death because they've got none of the Lord in it. So that's the pivotal verse in verse 15. And what about the surrounding verses? Obviously, because of time, we can't go through every single one. But even as we look at a few, we see that they encourage us to make sure that we're listening and being slow to speak. For example, verse 13. If one gives an answer before he hears, it is his folly and shame. The warning here is about speaking before you've taken the time to listen properly. The wise thing to do would be to actually pause, think, and consider how to give your answer wisely. Otherwise, you might get quickly deceived 
by foolish words that lead to death. Verse 17 as well is another great example of how we need to listen properly. Read that with me. Verse 17, the one who states his case first seems right until the other comes and examines him. Now look, I'm a massive fan of the TV show The Apprentice. And don't pretend you haven't seen it. Um, Like, each week, um, contestants work together and they join teams as well to, and they work together to uh, become, and they battle it out against one another, to become Lord Sugar's new business partner, business partner. And one of these tasks in the last series was actually to design and promote a new baby food. So one of the team members, they moved quickly and came up with this idea to, for the brand name. They called it First Time Foodies. It's a pretty good name, so far so good. But then the project manager suggested that on their packaging, they replace the two O's in the word foodies with two bowls. Once again, like the team lapped up the idea. They, they, saw, they thought it was a pretty good idea. Let's get it printed, they said. I've got an actual snap of the final product. Now, you may or may not be able to see it, but um, when they presented the idea, the baby food experts, They examine the product and they realize that in fact the packaging looks like, sorry, looks like it reads, first time dies. Now look, it's an absolute no-no for a baby food product, isn't it? It was completely foolish and it's safe to say they lost the task. So when somebody first states their case, they seem right and it may be appealing. And that's the same with foolish speech, isn't it? It seems good to you at first. But but when you pause, examine, and listen, you realize that it's foolish. Make sure you listen and don't make your words hasty. But it it can be hard, can't it? When it's easier than ever to quickly respond to an email or immediately react to a TikTok or comment on a blog, It just makes it so difficult to pause and listen to the knowledge of the Lord. We end up getting swept away with it all and end up reacting hastily. But the next verses gives us a warning against quarreling and how being slower to speak might prevent more lasting damage. So read with me from verse 18. The lot puts an end to quarrels and decides between powerful contenders A brother offended is more unyielding than a strong city, and quarrelling is like the bars of a castle. Quarrelling comes hand in hand with foolish speech, and you can see how bad it is, can't you? Because you can't resolve it. You can't logic or reason your way out of quarrelling. Verse 18 says that you need to cast a lot to get rid of it. Once we get into a quarrel... We're so reluctant to back down, aren't we? And it's just our, it's our human nature. Once I've started to fight my corner, I find it really hard to step back and, and, and say what's wrong. Why? Well, because I'm really proud. I think I, know, I think I know best. And that's actually when the listening stops. I think this is saying that once we've got into a quarrel, we're unyielding just like a castle wall. 
Look, there are so many injustices in the world, aren't there? And at the moment, lots of our society thinks that the only way to use our words justly is just to speak out. And if you're serious about justice, this often means rioting with placards or with keyboards and, and demanding justice, often before knowing all the facts. It basically means mouthing off, doesn't it? Now, please, he, please hear, me, hear me. I'm not saying that um, injustices are not, uh, are not worth making a stand for. Injustices are not worth making a stand for. But I think this passage is saying that really strongly that it's, it's really possible to do very serious damage by quarreling and speaking too soon. So how much do you think your words matter? Well, I know people who have said they've walked away from listening to Jesus because of the quarreling and hypocrisy amongst Christians. And of course, we, we may, that may not have been the actual reason why they've walked away, but to be honest, it doesn't surprise me. Quarreling is a classic example of how foolish speech turns people away from the life-giving words of the Lord Jesus. And I think the Apostle James makes that same point, that actually, once we've understood the power of the tongue, then it will make you slow to speak and quick to hear. We need to make sure that we listen to the knowledge of the Lord so that, and make sure our words aren't hasty. How much do you think your words matter? Well, they couldn't matter more, could they? Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Our words have the power to build people up or tear them down. They have the very power to build up the kingdom and tear down the kingdom. They have the very power to give life and take it away. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Our words really matter. It's extraordinary the power that we have in our words. I want you to imagine with me that we had, I had some seeds in my hand. I had a seed in my hands. And imagine if I could just say to the seed, grow. And the seed just grew. It flourished. It burst into life. And it, and it, made, it, it flourished and it brought so much joy to those around us. Imagine I had a plant in my hand as well. And I said to it, die. And it instantly just withered away. <coughs> All that potential just falls away. It dies. Well, that would be extraordinary power, wouldn't it? But actually, that is what our tongues are like as we speak with one another. We have the power of death and the power of life in our tongues. So let's put on wise speech on our lips. Speech is, that is gentle rather than quarrelsome. Speech that pours out the knowledge of the Lord, the great God who is rich in mercy and love. And look, we have all these great opportunities, don't we, all the time, even straight after this service, to use our words for life, with the person sitting next to us or afterwards at Peter Union. Will we use our words to build each other up or tear each other down? Will we tell people who are lost, about the place that we know where they can be safe? Will we use our speech for life or for death? 
How much do you think your words matter? Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you so much that you breathe this whole world into existence through your word. Father, we thank you so much for reminding us that godless speech, foolish words, lead to death and ruin. But Father, we praise you that you have given us your name to find refuge and safety. Help us to remember that your name really is the only place to find safety. Thank you so much that we can call upon your name and that we can proclaim your name to the ends of the earth. Father, help us to listen to your word and to know you for the rest of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.